You're listening to Brave Not Perfect with Reshma Sajani, presented by Anchor and Girls Who Code. Hey, it's Reshma Sajani here. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of Brave Not Perfect, a podcast featuring conversations with brave, not perfect changemakers. This week, I am so excited because I am talking with Sophie Strand. She's a scientist, an educator, and just super funny. She's tackling an issue, obviously, that I'm so passionate about, which is a gender gap in tech with the Science Comedy, a YouTube series for girls and for interested boys. Sophie, I am so excited to speak with you today. So you have like two of the most interesting degrees. You're a theater major and a behavioral neuroscience. So... Yeah, they always say like Steve Jobs used to always say like, you know, you know, live your life in the intersection between liberal arts and science. In some ways, it's like you're living in kind of arts and science. Like, how did that happen? It's so true. Uh, I... I've been an actor for almost my whole life. And in high school, I really fell in love with science. I had a chemistry teacher who was my real life Miss Frizzle. And I <laughs> knew I wanted to do science and I uh, knew I wanted to work with people. So neuroscience was great because I got to study people and why we do what we do. And then I got to college and realized theater asks the same questions. It's all asking, why do we do what we do? What does it mean to be human? What's our relationship to the universe? It's just asking from these different angles. So I found that these interdisciplinary fields are so complementary to each other that they can only help each other rather than be so disparate that they have no connection at all. It's completely the opposite. Yeah, it's so cool because I feel like girls think that they have to choose, right? That they can't love gender science, uh, gender studies and like coding. It's either theater or, you know, behavioral science. So I think it's such a, did anyone tell you had to choose or did you always feel free to do both? People did tell me I had to choose. Yes. Uh, The reason I went to the school I went to, Northeastern University in Boston, go Huskies, um, is because they were one of the few places that said, you want to do what? Okay, try it. A lot of places said, oh, that's going to be too different, too many hours. There's no overlap at all. You're not going to have any friends. You're going to (laughs) be too tired all the time. Um, And even in school and afterward, I found that a lot of people would say, oh, you have a theater degree, but you also have neuroscience. So you at least are doing one real thing. Not realizing that that's really devaluing to an art form (laughs) and that art is valid as well. So uh, I've really... Uh, been a big proponent of if you love more than one thing, see what could happen if you combine them because it's going to be creative and it's going to really fulfill you as a person. So how did you start combining the two? I combined the two in college. I decided my sophomore year that if I wanted theater back in my life, I should just go for it and give it the time and attention that it needed. So um, so I had the, the degree in each one that I got in school. And when I really, I combined it in my thesis, I uh, looked at using improvisation to script theater to work with adolescents who are in recovery from drug addiction. And it was so thrilling because a lot of the principles of theater and the rewards and risks of theater activate the same parts of the brain that are activated in drug use or in any activity that causes that fear or emotional response. So. I was hooked um, completely. And then I found the Museum of Science in Boston, and that's where I really honed my science communication skills and learned how to apply my my theater love to bringing science to the public. So is that where you came up with Science with Sophie? Or was there a moment for it? it? You know, I think it was kind of 
mushing around in my head for a long time. But it was at the museum that I first got the light bulb moment. And uh, I was a fellow at the time, my fellow fellow and I created a show that's really different from Science with Sophie, but kind of had the same seeds and was this prototype we made about exploring a museum in, a, in an unexpected way. And from there, I decided to move to Chicago and study comedy at Second City. It was kind of between med school and comedy. And I wanted a, you know, I wanted a <laughs> reliable career. So I chose comedy. Um, and work in, comedy. Right. I, you know, I wanted something stable. So I... Went, you wanted to make sure you got like a, you know, a paycheck every... Ex- exactly. Every I was like, I want health insurance. I want stability. Uh, yeah. So this is definitely the choice for me. Um, so comedy gave me a skill set and, and improv gave me that yes and approach. I don't know if you've heard of it before. Um, but... No, tell yes, me about and it. is this idea that you are constantly building on your scene partner. So rather than negating them, if someone comes in with an idea, whatever that idea is, if it's we are hamsters in space or uh, we live inside a water bottle, whatever it is, you yes and that idea. You you say yes. Our reality now is that we live in this water bottle. How cool is that? And you build on it. We live in this water bottle, and it is starting to boil. Right. So you you are constantly building on others' ideas. And I think that's a great way to approach life. So it's a good life skill set that also applied to making this show what it is right now and what it's going to continue to build and grow to be. That's cool. So like, how did, how old were you when you made the show? And, how, and what's like the process? Because I know there's a lot of people out there probably who are listening who are like, that sounds cool. Like, how do I go about mm, doing yeah, that? Yeah, I've learned so much on the job, so to speak, um, because film production is really complex. Um, the first time we did it at the museum, I was 20 something. And now I'm older 20 something. Um, <laughs> I'm 29 now. I have to think about that sometimes. Um, but uh, I learned how to come up with an idea. So coming up with the idea for Science with Sophie really started um, in Chicago, having these years of comedy under my belt and these years of science teaching and communication. And um, so I thought, what are the, what is the goal of the show. So kind of starting with the mission of it, right? Um, And then creating some characters, learning how to pitch an idea was really valuable, learning how to succinctly say what it is that you're trying to do. Um, And then getting a team of people on board because it's, I can't do this by myself. I love that. I was watching your, we'll we'll get to your bubblegum episode (laughs) soon, but um, tell me what it was like the day you launched your first show. Like, how did you feel? Was it raining? What was happening? Um, well, ooh, I have to think back because we did season one um, was like the fully produced show that we did after we crowdfunded. And the before that, we did what we called season zero, which was pretty much on my iPhone, really short amounts of stuff that were uh, just fun and little quick things we could do. When we first launched episode one, fully completed, we did it. Uh, we made the thing, you know, I made the thing that I wanted to make. It was really quite stunning and it got a great response. Everybody who watched it loved it, you know, so that felt really validating that we made a thing and we made it the way we wanted it to be. So did you make, do you feel like you made it for yourself or was there like someone who inspired you to do this, like to make this particular, because right, because you have all this amazing background. You could have made a show about anything. Thank you. Like why this? Um, I wanted to be the thing I wish I had had the age that I made the show for. So uh, the target audience, I say it's for girls and everyone because 
when I was growing up as a young girl, you know, age six to now, um, I didn't have a female science role model on TV. I had great role models like Bill Nye and Carl Sagan, et cetera. But the only female that I had to look at doing science was Ms. Frizzle from the Magic School Bus. And she is a cartoon. She's not a real person. So I really wanted to be that role model that I wish I'd had. So it's for me because I wanted to to be the change, and hopefully it is for girls and boys um, who are eager for something like that. Because Bill Nye, Bill Nye's wonderful iconic show happened over twenty years ago, and we still don't have a female role model on mainstream science media. We do the same. I mean, we say the same thing, right? You cannot be what you cannot see. You know, at Girls Who Code, we're working on uh, tech spotlights. Uh, we read this, you know, amazing article about like that your, you know, girls will invent or create at a rate of like four times higher than than boys when they're exposed to role models and people who look like them. So we're trying to get, you know, the Ada Lovelaces and the ENIACs and the Katherine Johnsons of the world, their stories, you know, in every single classroom in the, in the country. Yeah. It's not like they don't exist, you know. They've had a much harder battle to fight to get to where they are than some other people in the world, but it doesn't mean they don't exist. So if we can elevate that platform, raise that voice and shout it from the rooftops, it's valuable for everybody to hear, especially if you are that person who hasn't seen yourself represented before. So how do you come up with your ideas? Like I was watching your bubblegum episode and I, I didn't realize that <laughs> bubblegum sits in your stomach for seven years. I'll have to remember that the next time I decide to swallow my gum, which I will admit I often do. Um, but yeah, how do you come up with your ideas? You know, uh, part of it, a lot of it is what do I find interesting? And what do I find around me that a kid would encounter in her daily life? So I'm in the city. Uh, I see potholes. I uh, get sick. So sometimes I have snot, you know, all over the place. And things like bubblegum kids wonder about a lot. So part of it was was actual input from from kids. I said, what do you want to know about? And uh, and also, what, what do I think is cool? Because if I don't think it's cool, I'm not going to be interested in writing about it. You know, it's not going to be fun to work so hard on something that I don't love and find interesting. Um, the caveat to that, of course, is that I find most things very interesting. So <laughs> you pitch me a topic that you like, and I will probably be really on board to create something fun with it. You crowdfunded your first yeah. series. What was that like? Uh, money is something that I think girls, women um, are taught to be afraid of a little bit. So here I have this thing that I want to create and I can talk all day long about the mission. And then as soon as we talk about money, it was really scary. And uh, having to ask for help as well was part of that, right? Saying, I need my community. Um, and it ended up being incredibly rewarding because we had almost 700 people from across the globe say yes to this idea that didn't even exist yet. And that was propelled us forward because yes, we had the funding and we had the the base of people saying, we want this, please make this. I wish I had this when I was young. Um, my girls are waiting for this. My boys are waiting for this. Give this, give this to us, please. So um, it was, it was what really jumpstarted the whole thing. Do you feel like you learned how to be brave through theater, through science, somewhere else? Cause you sound like really brave to me. Like you've done a lot of like really incredible things, you know, for, and hard things and scary things. <laughs> Thanks. Yes, I consider myself brave. And part of what the show, my when I give my pitch of the show, it's that I want girls to remember that they are brave, smart, curious, funny scientists every day. 
Um, and I think being on stage absolutely primed me for that. I was on stage at age six for my first show in front of other people. Um, and that kind of fearlessness that comes with it and the fear of it because things go wrong in live theater all the time and you just got to keep going. The show must go on. So that's a great lesson to learn in terms of perseverance and resiliency that it is not going to be perfect. And that is what makes it beautiful and great. And then in science, same thing, really, right? There's no such thing as a perfect science experiment. There's no beginning, middle, and end to a science process. Science asks questions. You make an exploration. You create an experiment. You end up with more questions. Things go wrong. The number of times that I messed up in the lab, oh my goodness, uh, was uh, that's a big number. And every time I learned something and had something to share and grow from that and talk about making a brand new show that's never existed, learning process every single day. And uh, some things come naturally to us and that's great, uh, but it's usually the things that we have to work harder for to really achieve and feel competent in that we understand so much better and so much more clearly. So in improv, it absolutely is knowing the set of rules to live by as a performer, practicing that it's a muscle. You have to create those connections in your brain over and over and over again so that then you can play with those rules and break the rules even mm. in a fun way. We both do a lot to disrupt culture, right? Like we're on this quest to make, to make, you know, science cool and interesting and relevant. Like what have you learned that surprised you? What have you learned that like reinforced what you thought? Hmm. A couple of things jump out right away. Um, what I, what was reinforced in a sad, but propelling way, um, is that so many women have said to me, if I had a show like this, maybe I would have gone into science. If I had something like this, or if I had someone like you to, to watch and, and look at, um, and try things with, you know, and kind of grow up with the way I grew up with Bill Nye, so many women say, I think my life would have been different. Um, which is a huge boost to me in terms of knowing that this is needed. It's a need. Um, what surprised me and what we've evolved through time is that I used to say the show was for girls. And I now say it's for girls and everyone because I realized, you know what? It's just as important for boys to have strong female role models as well, because we're all in this together. Um, to use another improv term, I say that STEM equity is an all play meaning we're all invited. We all need to participate and play the game so that we can make change together. If it's one versus the other, it's going to be competitive. It's going to be harder to get really into the same conversation to find solutions. So I changed that around to be uh, really inclusive. The show never says, hey, girls versus boys. It's nothing like that. It's all just come on in, join us. We're all doing this together. And wouldn't you know, we've got strong women doing science. <laughs> Thank you for joining me for another episode of Brave Not Perfect. Got a question for me? Send us a note at Brave Not Perfect Podcast at gmail.com or call in directly via the Anchor app on your phone. Every week, I'll answer questions from listeners like you on topics ranging from women in politics, feminism, education policy, and diversity in tech to what it's like running a company or just being a mom. I want to hear from you. Send me your questions. Until next time, this has been an episode of Brave Not Perfect with me, Reshma Sajani. Mm -hmm.